The Truth News Network. Things to trust more than politicians. Cable company internet speeds. Stereo equipment out of a white van. Gas station sushi. Drinking water from Lake Erie. A weather forecast from Al Gore. Things you can trust. Well, let's start with someone immersed in the truth. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And to separate noise from reality, here's Dan Newman. Well, let's see. It's Friday. Wow, the end of a week, finally, a weekend, a weekend, a great weekend ahead. But not only is it Friday, it's the last day of 2021. And I just want to say thank you for spending today with us here at TNN Live. And I want to thank you for being here all year long. You know, our numbers have been growing almost daily. And we're not marketing. We're not advertising. It happens just because people find us. Many of you are telling others about us and sharing our shows and the articles that we published at truthnewsnet.org. And everybody's finally realizing that we don't have to rely on the big networks, the big city newspapers like the New York Times, the Washington Post, the LA Times, Chicago Tribune. Yeah, those media outlets service millions of people, but they're they're actually creating disservice to the people that are using those to get information. What's the disservice? In many cases, they're not giving out real information. They're giving out political spin. Wow. Is that all we talk about here at TNN Live? No, it's not. But here's what we have for you today. Here's what's in store. We're going to look at the latest, latest on pretty much everything. Let, 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 me just, let me just kind of lay out the perspective we have today. There's a lot of misinformation that you're hearing, a lot of misinformation you're reading, and some really big cases the mainstream media miss many of the most important things. And you know what? They have reasons for that. But we're not going to get into the reasons for it. What we're going to do is get into the big things that they missed, that you heard, and you heard as factual information that they spouted to us all this last year. There are too many, far too many, to even think about covering all of them. But we grabbed a few of the big ones, and we're going to let you hear not so much an analysis, but let you hear what they said and what they presented in their own words. And I think you'll understand how tough and why it's so tough to get information. There's a lot of other news on the vaccine and the COVID-19 Omicron and what it's doing to the United States and some of the effects, the ripple effects that Americans are already feeling and what's ahead in 2022. And you're going to hear from our president. Wow, it's going to be an exciting day, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, he's on the beach in more ways than one. But he's he's having a holiday with his family and friends, I'm sure. Uh, But he never stops to throw out rockets from wherever he is. And most of the times... The rockets aren't targeted for anything, and he gets in trouble in almost every case when he throws those out. Don't you know his handlers, whoever they are, they just go crazy when they get a phone call or get a text or they just happen to be surfing the internet 
or television and they see and hear Joe Biden do what Joe Biden's always done. He's a gaff machine. Now, we're not going to get into Joe's stuff today so much, especially not the things that he's done, because you pretty much know all the things that he has said that are backwards or opposite of facts. We're not going to go there, but what we are going to do is kind of get our arms around some of the real controversial things that are coming out of his administration and maybe looking ahead, giving you a glimpse into what might be ahead in the next few weeks and few months. I think everybody will agree. It's way too soon to be digging deep into 2022 issues that pretty much will all culminate November when we have our midterm elections. And so much is up for grabs. Everybody in the United States House of Representatives either runs for election or they run for re-election every two years. November 2022 is when it happens again. We're not going to get into the details of that until later, maybe the second or third week of January. That's, to be honest with you, when a lot of people who are uh, hoping to get into the U.S. Congress or be re-elected, they actually start campaigning. Some have already started. That's hard to believe. (laughs) But it does happen. Now, pretty much, it's just year-round. Every year, every year, they're campaigning for office for re-election. Makes you wonder, what's the big attraction? Once they get elected, they tell us over and over again how difficult it is, how expensive it is to live in Washington, D.C., and how tough it is to get anything done. Well, here's a novel thought. If the job's too tough, don't run and campaign and tell us you're the man or woman for the job and that you want it desperately and you can do the things that need to be done on our behalf. Stop saying that. If it's that hard, if it's that financially difficult, we understand. Don't run for office. We'll find somebody else. And you and I both know that is not a factual thing that they're telling us. The pity party stuff they do. They love what's there for them. Good income, basic pay, $170,000 a year, plus a lot of expenses. We pick up the tab for all of their staff, their office costs, their travel. And then, of course, the perks that go along with me, a member of the United States Congress. But the 900-pound gorilla in the room for this entire year, folks, is COVID-19 and everything to go with it. And it just gets worse and worse. Guess what the CDC popped up yesterday and announced? They told us that we all should avoid cruise travel, regardless of vaccination status now. Why? Well, there's been an increase in COVID-19 cases on cruise lines in the most recent days. Now, let's put this in perspective. The CDC is telling Americans, don't go on cruises. Here's a novel idea. You know, COVID-19 doesn't just pick its its casualties, its victims, it's pretty wide open. And folks, if we are going to even consider having to stay away from everything that just might possibly put us in harm's way, put us in the area with the COVID-19 nastiness that we're going to catch, we all would not even just stay at home. 
If you want facts, folks, we'd have to seclude ourselves from even our family members in our own home. And so every time I hear and see these things, like the CDC saying something like this, I begin to ask the question, what's really going on? Well, the CDC yesterday increased its COVID risk level for cruise ships. I didn't even realize they've got this uh, numbering thing. They rate the danger of COVID. Well, they raised the risk level for cruise ships yesterday. It's all the way up to four. And I have no idea, and I'm sure most Americans don't, unless you're an avid cruiser, what the risk level four really means. Even fully vaccinated travelers may be at risk for getting and spreading COVID-19 variants. This is from a statement from the CDC yesterday. Passengers should get tested three to five days after their cruise ends, adding that they need to self-monitor for COVID-19-related symptoms for two weeks. Now, wonder where the CDC comes up with this. You realize this week, early this week, they said for um, after you've been exposed to COVID, you know, it used to be 14 days, you got to stay quarantined. Then it was 10. Well, they cut it to five this week. Now, on what scientific information has the CDC made those changes? And the answer is simple. There is no scientific basis for that. Somebody pulled it out of the air, and because it came from the likes of either Dr. Rochelle Walensky, who was the director of the CDC, or Dr. Anthony Fauci, the NIAID director, which is a subdivision of the National Institutes of Health, they just decided, well, we need to throw another restriction out there. So we'll come up with all of these quarantine things. And when they get a lot of pushback over a period of time, they finally say, you know what? Let's just cut the 14 days quarantining mandate and we'll go back to 10. And then people began to push back and they said, well, how about five? There's no science in it. The CDC guidance also stipulates that individuals that are on these cruise ships should wear a mask in any space that is shared. Most of the big cruise lines, like Royal Caribbean and Carnival, they already require customers and staff to be fully vaccinated. They have to present proof of vax status before they board ship. But here's what the CDC says. Since the identification of the Omicron variant, there's been an increase in the number of COVID cases among cruise passengers and crew that have been reported Additionally, there has been an increase in the number of cruise ships meeting the COVID-19 case threshold for CDC investigation. Ooh. As of Wednesday, day before yesterday, 88 ships are under the CDC's yellow status, meaning the agency is investigating. Another four are being what they call monitored. Yellow status means this. The ship has met the threshold for CDC investigation. And so what's in that? What makes up that threshold? It includes one of the following criteria, such as at or above the investigation threshold for crew COVID-19 cases, at or above the investigation threshold for passenger 
COVID-19 cases, or a state or local health department notified CDC of a passenger or two or three or four COVID cases occurring within five days of leaving the ship. So last weekend, Carnival's Cruise Line's Carnival Freedom told news outlets it has been forced to alter its stops in the South Caribbean now. Why? Several individuals on board tested positive for the virus. This is a vaccinated cruise. This is Carnival Cruise Line saying this. All guests were also tested before embarkation. Unfortunately, Bonaire and Aruba authorities did not permit the ship to call in those ports. But we have confirmed a visit to Amber Cove in the Dominican Republic. This is just another example of government overreach, government lockdown, government taking control, arbitrary and unilateral control, not by legislation, incidentally. You do understand this. None of this has come before state houses. You know, the state legislatures. None of it's come before the United States Congress. It's all being handled by these small-town, big-city mayors and state governors. And usually the state governors are the governors of the big blue states, the bigger states like California, New York, New Jersey, Florida, Texas. Although those governors, Florida and Texas, they go 180 degrees the other way. You know, that thing about giving Americans the right to make their decisions for themselves, especially as it pertains to health care. You do realize that New York City is getting a new mayor. I don't know the handoff thing. You know, whether the new mayor takes office tonight, tomorrow, the new mayor, well, now he's technically a mayor-elect, Eric Adams, who's a Democrat, he's going to take office this weekend, and questions have been asked, what about those egregious lockdown measures, those mandates that today's mayor soon to be the ex-mayor, Bill de Blasio, is put on the American people who live in New York. And so they ask him, here's what he said yesterday, we're going to keep him in place. Hmm. He had previously resisted committing to maintaining all of the mandates that de Blasio had imposed. There's that private work mandate. It was announced on the 6th of December, and it was detailed on December 15th. It requires companies to secure proof of vaccination from their workers. The mandate went into effect just four days ago. It applies to about 184,000 workers in the city of some 8.8 million people. Previous de Blasio rules mandated vaccination for municipal workers and healthcare workers. De Blasio told reporters when he announced the latest mandate that it was meant to be a, what he called, preemptive strike to really do something bold to stop the further growth of COVID and the dangers it's causing to all of us. Let me just be abundantly clear. We could sit here all day long and give you story after story after story from state after state, 50 of them, big city after big city, at least two dozen of them, where what happens is all of these cities' leaders specifically the mayors, it seems like 
they all got on a, it, 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 and I'm sure this didn't happen, but it seems like they all got on a conference call. And somebody on the call said, it's just the, it's just the mayors. Somebody on the call said, I wonder how far we can push this. Well, I'm the mayor of big city, yada, yada, yada. And I think we can get this done here. And then another mayor pipes up and said, you think you can do that? Well, I think I can take it one notch higher. My people trust me so much that I can tell them this and they'll just be sheeple. In other words, follow me regardless of what I say. I don't think it's happened like that in every case, but I'll bet you a a bunch of bananas. And I said bananas, it popped to mind because I like bananas and I haven't had one in a while. I'll bet you a bunch of bananas that my people are going to follow me to whatever, wherever I tell them we need to go to be safe. And I think we're hearing the mayor-elect Eric Adams. He's kind of walking that line for the Big Apple. Do you know what's happening in the other big city up there in the East Coast, Washington, D.C., their mayor, Muriel Bowser, here's what she's up to. She's talking about school. Now listen to this. In the Omicron variant shadow, here's some opportunity for the big, big sycophants in governorship and mayorships around the nation to get their hands in this. Yesterday, she went to Twitter, and she announced that while they are working together to keep Washington, D.C. classrooms open, students and families can expect situational virtual learning throughout the upcoming semester. Hmm. She said, we expect that schools and classrooms are going to need to transition to what they call situational virtual learning throughout the semester. Our goal, she said, is to be flexible, responsive, and guided by our students' needs. Here's a novel thought. I don't care which shrink you listen to, which um, social worker you listen to, Mrs. Mayor, Ms. Mayor. Let me just be politically correct and say, D.C. Mayor Bowser, instead of coming up with these thoughts and ideas that seem good to you and they give you a chance to flex your power, every shrink that you ask will tell you what you are doing here is one of the worst things that you can do to the emotional status and the psyche of the students that you're manipulating just to flex your political power muscles. So Chip Roy, he is a United States representative from Texas, Texas. Yesterday, he called for the Congress. Oh, my goodness. Congress, you know, those people that are supposed to make all the laws and regulations that run the nation. Chip Roy called yesterday for the Congress to retake control of the governance of Washington, D.C. And he said this, you're destroying children. Under the Constitution, your answer is to bring your business to the U.S. Congress, and we have the final say-so, especially when it has things to do with citizens of the United States. It's time for Congress to take over D.C., open schools, open restaurants, 
and businesses, clean up the jails, enforce the laws, and end the craziness. So while the D.C. government says it is guided by our students' needs, many believe that laying the groundwork for virtual learning is just capitulating to those teachers' unions. You remember? They fought a year ago, tooth and nail. They did not want any of the public schools across the nation to reopen. And their pretext and reasoning was, it's just a super spreader for COVID. You know, these kids and teachers are in really close quarters in those classrooms. And so that's when this insane virtual learning and then these plexiglass barriers around desks at schools did go back in. Mask, of course. And we know the horror stories of all of that. We've heard what it's done to our children. Suicide watch has just ramped up to epic proportions across the nation among our children. They don't know what life like this is supposed to be about, and they look at their futures. And I remember when I was in the first, second, third grade, my future, it was extended out about six weeks. I didn't get into when I was six, seven years old. I didn't get into what am I going to be when I grow up. What I was dealing with is I want that new bicycle. What can I do to get it for my birthday next month? These kids are the same way. And they're getting so many mixed messages from those that they've been instructed from birth. These are the people we listen to. These are our leaders. And we elected them to do what's best for us and lead us in the right ways. And that's not happening. That's not happening. We haven't talked about this. I don't think we've mentioned it ever here at TNN Live. Rand Paul weighed in on it yesterday. What are we talking about here? Well, he blasted the Biden administration for withholding life-saving coronavirus treatment from those who need it and the senator deemed it, what Biden's folks are doing, as unconscionable. Florida Surgeon General Joseph Ladapo sent a very pointed letter this week to Health and Human Services Secretary Javier Becerra. And in the letter, he questioned the Biden administration's decision to withhold some life-saving COVID treatment from states like Florida, picking out Florida and Texas at the top of the heat. Why would they do that? Huh, what do you think? Those are the two freest, most healthy states in the nation, the ones that push back against all of the egregious government Fauci-initiated lockdown stuff, kept their states open, and the, the COVID cases have been in their control. Democrat administration, they can't have that happen. They can't have states' rights being what directs the actions of these leaders in these states like Texas and Florida. In the last few months, Governor DeSantis of Florida has blitzed the state with monoclonal antibody treatments. Folks, those work. Those work for COVID-19, especially in the early stages. But then... After DeSantis found a source for it, or several sources to get the antibody treatments, only to have Biden slash the supply from the feds going to the state of Florida, originally saying the decision 
to its newfound priority came from equitable distribution. According to Ladapo, the lack of allocation of this life-saving treatment from the feds continues to cause another immediate and life-threatening shortage of treatment options to the state of Florida, right in the middle of the Omicron variant spreading throughout the state. Here's what the Surgeon General said. While administration of monoclonal antibody therapy treatments in Florida is shifting back to the private healthcare sector, and there is growing evidence that some treatment options may not be as effective against Omicron. The federal agencies under your control, and he's speaking to the federal government here, federal agencies under your control should not limit our state's access to any available treatments for COVID-19. Florida can expand treatment options for patients by distributing therapeutics to providers working in areas with a, a low prevalence of Omicron or clinics capable of variant screening. The federal government is actively preventing the effective distribution of monoclonal antibody treatments in the United States, he said. He explained that all of a sudden, the suspension of multiple monoclonal antibody therapy treatments from distribution to his state, that just totally removed a healthcare provider's ability to choose the best treatment options for their patients in their state. Why would the Biden administration do this? There's only one reason. To stick their thumb in the eyes of Governor DeSantis in Florida and also the governor of Texas because these are the um, very red conservative states and these are where the people have allowed and in, in fact they've pushed their governors to bring all of these health care decisions as much as possible back into their state. Hearing the same thing from doctors treating COVID in Louisiana. This is Senator Rand Paul. Biden administration has canceled monoclonal antibody shipments with no replacement antibodies available. That's unconscionable. These remarks from Senator Paul follow the Biden administration's decision to just stop shipments of Regeneron and Eli Lilly treatments over concerns regarding their effectiveness against the Omicron variant. But you know what? The Omicron variant, I don't know if it's a smokescreen. In fact, I think more and more every day when I look at what's happening in the infections of Omicron, I honestly think Omicron is really the flu. Do you remember the numbers we gave you multiple times here on the show about flu season infections over the last three, four years? I mean, we were having hundreds of thousands of cases and hospitalizations and even deaths. But beginning in January a year ago, all of a sudden, it became very clear to me (laughs) that COVID-19 had killed the flu virus, just eliminated it. There were no more flu cases. There were no more flu hospitalizations and certainly no more deaths. It was like everybody just switched. I'm thinking now maybe Omicron is just a recognition of there being another virus out there, but they don't want to get caught up in saying, oh, it's just it's just the flu season that's kicking off. 
We can't weaponize that. We've lived through decades of dealing with the flu, and we got our arms around it. We don't want the people to think that the healthcare professionals in this nation are savvy enough and totally all in to make sure they can treat us for the flu. And we know the healthcare officials in the nation are scared to death of COVID-19. Let's use that. Let's weaponize that against the American people so we can keep them scared to death. And from that comes under their total control. Now, I'm not saying that's factual. Give me another explanation. What other reason could there be? I don't have any plausible explanations. Omicron, now, they've made it very clear. Every day we find out it's less severe. It's as less costly. Fewer people are struggling. But let me tell you what is lost in the furor of every day, the only COVID-19 thing we hear at all from anybody in government is Omicron, Omicron. You know what they're disguising now and what they're taking our concentration away from, and it's deadly? Folks, the Delta variant is still out there, and the Delta variant is the most serious form of COVID-19 where the most serious conditions, including deaths among Americans of all ages, is happening, and it's happening in strength. But all of a sudden, the political perspective, the thing that they can sell, they can use and weaponize, is Omicron because it spreads so quickly. And of course, the mainstream media just bite off on that and they start carrying it around and selling it every day, all day. What's interesting too is how the media during this year, it seems like I didn't think they could get any more negative, any more wrong on so many things than they had in 2020 and then 2019 before that. It seemed like every year they just got worse and worse. Well, guess what? 2021, you can put a bow on it at midnight tonight, but it's still here. And 2021 revealed a whole lot of wrongdoing, gross misrepresentation, and the weaponization of a lot of things, not by our government officials alone, but by mainstream media. And they missed a bunch of things in 2021. Missed some things that they should have told us about, that they hid. But even worse than that, they misrepresented a whole bunch of things and their misrepresentations even cost Americans their lives. We're going to let you listen in. We spent a little time putting some examples from the media sycophants on mouths. You're going to hear. We're going to weigh into that next, right after this message. You don't want to miss this. This is going to be something you're going to want to share with somebody else. The misses by the American media in 2021. How hard is it to unlock your car? Not hard. How hard is it to shut your car door? Not hard. How hard is it to start your car? Not hard. How hard is it to put your seatbelt on? People are still dying in car accidents because they were not wearing a seatbelt, which is stupid because it's not that hard. Smarten up, buckle up. Think road safety. A message from the Government of South Australia. Biggie bag, huh? It's new from Wendy's. It's everything you ever wanted for just five bucks. Everything I ever wanted? 
Wendy's bacon double stack, four nuggets, fries, a drink, and the spelling bee medal you lost in second grade because you couldn't spell soliloquy. It really is everything I ever wanted. Get a bacon double stack with a quarter pound of fresh beef, nuggets, fries, and a drink for just five bucks. Wendy's Biggie Bag is everything you ever wanted. Sorry, I'm gonna need all that back. Really? I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. Welcome to Staples. Staples guy, my company has like seven different printers. How's your ink selection? Behold, Staples Wall of Ink. Just wow. A huge selection of ink and toner guaranteed in stock. Hello, awesome. If it's not, we take $10 off and ship it to you free. Pinch me. I said pinch. I heard you. New low prices on ink and toner and an in-stock guarantee. Staples, make more happen. We don't tell you what to think, but we give you truth to think about. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And if somebody asks me what's the difference, the big, the biggest difference between TNN Live, Truthnewsnet.org, and the mainstream media, I think Pete Moss just summered, summed it up the best. I can't do any better. We will not tell you what to think. We don't give you things to think. We don't tell you, you've got to think this. What we give you are things for you to think about and draw your own conclusions. Now, about the United States media, I think everybody listening in today agrees with me about how one-sided they have been for a long, long time. And to be quite honest with you, that, that cuts both ways. There are some media outlets out there that are conservative, And you know the obvious ones, Newsmax, Fox News, Breitbart News, Epoch News. I think Epoch is more in the middle than anybody else. But nevertheless, we're getting the facts from all of those conservative news outlets with a whole lot less of the spin that we get from the mainstream media folks. And it's become so crazy, they've decided here at the end of the year to explain to the American people that they're not lying, it's just they make mistakes. Now, we're going to let you hear some specific media, quote-unquote, mistakes from their own mouths in a moment. But we had to go, (laughs) we had to go to um, the mainstream media outlet guy on CNN that explains best what's really going on and why sometimes... Every once in a while, not often, but, you know, occasionally the mainstream media folks, they just make mistakes. Yeah, right. Every week I hear from viewers who want to know more about how the media really works. Why are some stories covered so much more than others? Why are there so many screw-ups and slip-ups? So, let's get those questions answered. 
With me now, journalist Mara Scavacampo, host of the podcast Run Tell This. Mara, you've been at NBC, ABC, iHeart, MSNBC. You've been everywhere. You know how it really works. Absolutely. You know how the sausage is made. Yes. What questions do you get? I've got a few, but what questions do you get from your audience? What do you think are the most common media misconceptions? So the single biggest misconception is that we are lying. There is a lot of media mistrust. I hear this all the time. And here's what I would love to correct about that misperception. Uh, we are human. We make mistakes. So most often when someone says to me, the media is lying and they point to an example, what they're mm. pointing to is an example of a mistake, not an intentional lie. We do not have malicious intent. Yeah, but it's almost always innocent, right? So especially these days with the pandemic and people working in different places, you know, you might have four editors in four different places and then a typo ends up in a story. And it's just because of the crazy workflow. And it takes time to verify facts and information before you go public with it. In my view, when we do do have a political bias, it's the other view that actually benefits from that because we're trying to counter our own human impulses. Right, that's very interesting. Isn't that interesting? Listening to the media explain why, in their interpretation, that they miss so many things. And of course, you heard her maintain it's every once in a while. And the justification is, oh my gosh, we've got editors in multiple different locations and we just don't have the time. It takes time to research and, you know, get firm answers. I wonder why other outlets besides ABC, who she works for, and CNN, who Brian works for, if you call what he does work, why do, why do the other people, why do they have time to research? Why do the people at Fox News and Newsmax and One America News, I mean... Is, is CNN and ABC, are they so busy? I mean, what else could they be doing? They're certainly not researching the stories. Oh, but I think they probably are. They research the stories, but when they come down to the end of the normal story, the information doesn't lean left politically or maybe far enough left for their comfort then they say, well, most of the people that watch us, most of the people that listen to us, most of the people that read us, they're hardcore leftist anyway. So what does it matter if we just bend it a little bit to lean our way? There'll be some people that will question it, but we don't have very many conservatives that watch CNN or ABC News or read the Washington Post or the New York Times. So what about some specific misses, some big misses, and some really bad misrepresentations from the media in 2021? It's the last day of the year, folks. Humor Dan today, please. I love pointing out when they make mistakes. Let me tell you what happens here at TNN Live. Every once in a while, I make a mistake. I get some bad information. Conventional research, that's just a very small layer of what we do here. We're going to talk about some stories today. Most of the stories you'll hear us talk about, the big things, a couple we've talked about so far, we don't find those in mainstream media. Do you know there are in Europe and Asia and even in the Middle East, there are a plethora of news outlets that are more impartial less politically inclined than anybody here in the United States. And they even do research and find things about 
U.S. things, U.S. government things, U.S. economic news and information. And they report on those things too in Europe and in Asia and the Middle East because those are important to them. The U.S. is important. Everything that happens in the U.S., it kind of, it, it affects and impacts all the nations, the other nations on the planet. We go to these news outlets and basically it's one of our confirmation sources for every bit of information that these slugs like you just heard in mainstream media try to pass to us as being factual and truthful. And probably five or six of the stories we get today are sourced and confirmed from those overseas media outlets. I just thought I'd throw that in for you because I get told all the time, man, you get a lot of information that you share that we're not getting from other places. Well, duh, (laughs) that's what Truth News Network is all about. Now, I want you to listen to, from their own mouths, four or five of the big stories of 2021 that mainstream media just got totally wrong. And at the end of this, Tell me which of those may have been right. Uh, I don't think you'll be able to do that. In Wisconsin, you have Rittenhouse, a white teenager who crossed state lines with an AR-15 style rifle. He crossed state lines with an AR-15, threw himself in the middle of all this and started shooting people. It occurred, there's this little thing about how he actually did not cross state lines with an AR-15. I love how they're stunned about all of this, that Americans actually cross state lines, although he didn't, uh, that Americans actually have AR-15s, which they do. I shot one myself this week. And uh, how they're, they're stunned, stunned, I say, that, that uh, an American might defend himself against, for example, a convicted child rapist. Um, the media is a little bit out of touch, just a, just a hair, as the jury said unequivocally. I mean, Hermit, they really slandered this poor kid. It was just uh, disgusting what they did to him. Oh, absolutely. And that was just one of the many lies that the media told repeatedly. And then they never went back and corrected it. So I don't know where Kyle goes to get his reputation back, but I suspect we're going to hear more about that in coming months. Well, hopefully he sues the pants off of them. And I think you could probably offer some pretty good advice on that. So I also want to turn to the Virginia governor's race. The media says there's only one reason that Glenn Youngkin won. Watch. Glenn Youngkin played the race card for a reason, because he knows it works on certain white voters. He did stoke white grievance politics to mobilize the Republican base. Some Republican candidates are perfectly willing to use race as a motivating factor for their base. Yeah, Hermita, it obviously had nothing to do with Terry McAuliffe insulting parents or the Dems' failing agenda. Well, of course they are, Lisa. Look, for the left and its minions in the media, uh, racism is the Swiss Army knife. It's the answer to all your problems. Uh, You know, uh, voters don't like you. Well, the voters are racist. Uh, You're not able to get your uh, bills passed through Congress. Uh, Congress is racist. Uh, No one loves you. You live alone and uh, you eventually die and you're eaten by your cats. Racism. Everything's racism. That's all ridiculous. I think Americans are getting tired of it. 
I think they are as well. And I think that's what we saw with the Virginia governor's race. You know, there's also, you know, here's how MSNBC Rachel Maddow reacted when the CDC guidance didn't quite fit her narrative anymore. Watch. If you are vaccinated, it's okay to take off your mask now, indoors and out. Really? <laughs> are you sure? How sure are you? Kurt, how sure are you? Well, look, there's... Uh, there's something for everybody to hate with the CDC's mask guidance since they've literally had every position. First, we had, oh, don't wear a mask. Then you have to wear one mask. Then you have to wear two masks. Then no masks. Now you have to wear a mask again. Now it's an N95 mask. Who knows what it's going to be tomorrow? Maybe it'll be an entire plastic suit. I don't know. The fact is the CDC has no credibility uh, in that way. It's very similar to the media. Yeah, Harmi, we've got you back now. You know, what do you make about all this flip-flopping from the CDC, all these different things we've heard from media figures as well? Everyone's been all over the map about pretty much everything. Well, the CDC and the media have completely failed here to provide a consistent message to the American public for public health reasons that would actually enable us to protect ourselves against COVID. And I think the inconsistencies in the messaging and the flip-flopping have really undermined American confidence. And that's very dangerous because this isn't going to be the only health crisis that we have. And so I hope that the media uh, takes a long, hard look at how they have distorted guidance. They have condemned people who've now come forward with information that has now turned out to be true. And they have actually even turned on the CDC at times. So they need, really need to take a look at whether they've made the situation worse in America by providing inconsistent and wrong information to the American public regularly. Good point. You know, and, and a top issue for parents everywhere this year in 2021 was critical race theory being taught in our schools. But here's what the media wants you to think about that. Critical race theory is not being taught in Virginia public schools. It's not being taught in any public schools in America because it's a legal scholarship that is taught as an elected in law school. Kurt, 15 seconds. Uh, critical race theory is not being taught. It's also essential that it be taught all at the same time. Uh, again, it's the solution to every problem. Just lie. That's what the media does. Hermit, 15 seconds to you too as well, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. Critical race theory is the latest label for a, a package of propaganda, including about gender and transgender issues that's being force fed to our children. It is absolutely true. It needs to come to an end. Another slate of examples of media insanity and getting things wrong. Arrogantly. Ar arrogantly in most places getting things wrong. And they never apologize. They never come back and say, oh, we got it wrong. Now, they will occasionally come back and do a correction, but typically the verbiage, when they do a correction, never says, we gave you bad information. What they say is, we reported this story yesterday or two days ago. We want to make a clarification. And our clarification is this. They don't say, well, we told you this, and that's not true. What we should have told you is this. They never go there. They always try to keep the shininess, the perspective their followers have for them that is supposedly good because they're supposedly honest and truth purveyors when they're pretty much anything but that. Oh, we're not done. 
We have more examples of our media and what they did and tried to do in 2021. And then guess what? I told you about our foreign media sources. Every one of them, by the way, have reached out to us through the years and opened the door to send us their published stories for us to pass along. And many of those that you've heard here through the last two years or year and a half, uh, it'll in March it'll be two years that TNN Live has been airing. Um, a lot of those stories, we don't tell you where they come from necessarily, but a lot of those come from there. One just happened to show up in my inbox overnight, and it's from one of those sources, and it details a deal that President Joe Biden put together and signed a contract for on behalf of the American people. It has to do with COVID-19. It has to do with testing. We'll have the president's faux pas, and we'll have another slate of examples of mainstream media horrors in 2021, right after this. Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it. Because Papa John's a pizza maker. It's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's quality guarantee, signed by the man himself. Love your pizza, or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive, yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an Infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. Yo, some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo! But you know what else don't make sense? Bye. I mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways fancy prance, you heard? Yeah. Clippity-clop, clippity-clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy. Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing? None of this makes sense. Cloudy days They make you wanna cry 
Fry that was singing that song. He wrote that song. Farmer, co-lead singer of the Evils, Eagles. He passed away a few years ago. That song, you heard the lyrics of it. He wrote that song. He had been married before, had a very unhappy first marriage, a divorce for a long time, stayed single, had one son with his first wife. And he fell in love with a woman that they dated for years and she had been in a bad relationship. And so he decided he was going to ask her to marry him. So he wrote this song, and you heard the lyrics saying, he knows she had been hurt, that she had been treated badly. He had too. But he told her in the song, don't be afraid to fall in love again. And he made promises to her. Now let me tell you the context of that. He took her to dinner at a New York restaurant. Neither had to be vaccinated. <laughs> This was a long time ago. But during the dinner, he had set it up and a waiter brought him over a guitar. And he played and sang that song to her and asked her to marry him. And she, of course, said yes. Isn't that a sweet story? Oh, my goodness. One of the best songwriters, best singers, I think, that's ever lived, Glenn Fry. I think you can probably tell from this, I like music. I'm a musician. I kind of like that. But I thought, you know, in the middle of all the bad stuff we're talking about today, it might be good to hear something positive, right? Well, let me give you some more positive information. For those of you that don't know it, um, you know what podcasts are. Technically, by the letter of the law, TNN Live is a podcast. Even though it's live, it's kept alive after each show goes over by a bunch of different um, companies that they pick up podcasts and they distribute them on their websites around the world. I never really thought much about that. And all of a sudden, a few months ago, we started getting emails and texts from some of these companies that wanted to start carrying our shows. So basically what happens when we sign off at 11 a.m. Central Time every Monday through Friday in a matter of minutes in some cases, usually no more than an hour or two, that that day's TNN live show now goes live. It's actually not live, but it's put on their podcast schedule. And you can go there at any time from any place on the globe and listen to or download any one of our podcasts free of charge. And so far, there are five companies that reached out to us, and you can at any time go to their sites and get one of our shows by date and an explanation of the content of each show. How do you do it? Well, let me tell you the companies first. There's Apple Podcast, Spotify Podcast, Google Podcast. I I was shocked when Google, because we are definitely a conservative show, they reached out and they publish it. iHeartRadio, another very hard left uh, entertainment industry, they reached out. And then a new one that I'd never heard of, when I looked into it, I found out they have hundreds of thousands of podcasts in various categories that they publish every day. And it's Stitcher, S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. 
So if you miss a show and you want to go back and get it, you now have another option. If you have an iPhone, iPhones come with a little round purple app that's somewhere on their screen. It's a default thing. It's already there. You don't have to pay for it. And if you click on that and then in the search bar, type in our show name, TNN Live. In fact, you do that on any one of these podcast outlets that you go to. And our show pops up. And you'll see the the very familiar, the caricature of my face and the front page of our truthnewsnet.org website. You'll see that and then it has a, a calendar list of all the shows and the latest show is up at the top. All you do is click on it to listen to the show. That's Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and iHeart Podcast. In addition to that, iHeartRadio said, why don't you let us put a link on your website every day so that your readers can go back if they want to listen to the show and click on that and go right to the show without having to go through a bunch of hoops, jump through those. So I thought, what a novel idea. So the first one was yesterday. If you look at the bottom of yesterday's story, there is a a high heart, nice little logo thing, and it has TNN Live, and you click on their arrow, and boom, you get the show. Just making it easier for everybody to stay in touch with us and vicariously stay in touch with facts that you may be missing in your busy, busy life. Now back to business as usual about our president and him contracting in a $137 million deal with a German pharmaceutical company. And you know what the contract's for? COVID-19 test strips. Well, that's a novel idea. We're out of them. We can't get them right now. They didn't order any. And they haven't yet, even though they're trying to convince us that they've placed an order for a half a million, excuse me, 500 million, half a billion new tests for the American people to get free of charge. They haven't signed a contract with any company to get those test strips. Well, Dan, you just told us about a contract that Joe Biden signed for a $137 million deal with a German pharmaceutical company. Yeah, he did. And it's for COVID test strips. It's actually for COVID test strip factory that's going to be built in Germany. It'll take three years to build the factory. And they're going to produce, we're being told, when they were confronted with this news, the Biden administration, they're going to be producing 83 million tests every month. And they're going to do this and get it going as quickly as possible. Well, when is that, Jen Psaki? Well, at the earliest, it'll be in the fall of 2024. I'm not joking, folks. And so here's what, I don't even know if this question has been asked of Saki. She's been covering for the president on these questions and news briefings about the testing shortage that we have here and how that came about. My question now would be, when you told us that there is a contract pending for 500 million test, is this the one you were talking about? It doesn't matter if it is or isn't. Can you imagine a scenario when anybody would think that not being able to get 
the volume necessary of test strips to test for COVID in the context of all the mandates and all the requirements and things that we're told to do every day, and they base them on test results. And then, oh, by the way, well, you can't get the test, so you just got to do what we tell you to do. Just a little bit more of Biden insanity that's being foisted on the American people. Well, speaking of Biden insanity and Biden stuff being foisted on the American people, there was a little bit of Biden news outside of the presidency that was very controversial and was reported on uh, very untruthfully by the mainstream media. What are we talking about? Not Joe Biden, but Hunter Biden. Miranda Devine, New York Post writer. I love her writing. She's an Aussie. She's got that, not just the normal British accent, but the Aussie accent, which I think is better. And she's got a blockbuster book out that talks about solely the Hunter Biden laptop that's been in the midst of controversy for more than a year now. So, Miranda Devine went on the air and they talked about the issues about Hunter Biden and the gross misrepresentations by the media about all that in 2021. Now, this is before the election happened back in 2020. The first part of what you hear was the mainstream media relaying their information and news about the Hunter Biden laptop and how horribly being it portrayed as a big deal that that would really make a Joe Biden administration be invalid because of those close financial unethical things that were revealed on that laptop. But then, after the election, they did a 2021 switch. More media insanity. In Wisconsin, you have Rittenhouse, a white teenager who crossed state lines with an AR-15 style rifle. He crossed state lines. That is the wrong soundbite. I am sorry. I clicked the wrong button. We want the Miranda Devine soundbite, right? Right. In Wisconsin, Joe Biden on nefarious conspiracy theories. No evidence, no facts, just wild speculation. Yeah. Some crazy sci-fi tale about, you know, Hunter Biden and Martians and Chinese and stuff that no, no, seems to be no real credible source other than Bob Alinsky. These are before the election. So, Miranda, that was before the election. Now I want you to hear them talking after the election. CNN is reporting tonight that this investigation was live before the presidential election. If this was begun at some level in 2018, how was it kept quiet, particularly over the last several months? This is a significant legal development. In any era, the news that the family member of an incoming president's under federal investigation is a big deal. I mean, if laws were broken, there should be justice. There needs to be justice. All right, that's a pretty remarkable turnabout there. What do you what do you make of this? And 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 is the media um, ashamed? Have they apologized? What's going on? Good morning, Rachel. Obviously, there is no shame there, and there are no consequences. They just so smoothly, as you saw there, just flip from one side to the other. They they should be ashamed of the fact that they suppressed and also mocked uh, our coverage of the story. Uh, and then after the election, of course, when it didn't matter when Joe Biden had been elected, they're quite happy to uh, go and run a little bit about the story, not everything. Uh, big tech also. I mean, it's one thing for the media to to not 
cover the story and then to pretend that uh, why why on earth wasn't this story made more of before the election? But the main reason was because big tech decided that it was going to intervene. And that was a historic moment because it was the first time we had really seen Facebook and Twitter decide that they were going to exert their power nakedly, obviously, to censor a story that was a legitimate news story in a legitimate newspaper. Um, let's talk to you about your second big mistake that you think the media made this, um, this year. You say it's the peaceful, the quote, peaceful protest coverage. What you're seeing behind me is one of multiple locations that have been burning in Kenosha, Wisconsin, over the course of the night. I, I, I want to be clear in how I characterize this. This is a, mostly a protest. Uh, it is not. Uh, it is not generally speaking unruly. But fires have been started. The protests in late spring were mostly peaceful, but damage from looting and arson will cost one to two billion dollars in claims. Miranda, I mean, we still can't get over them saying peaceful protests as the flames are going off behind them. Um, <laughs> it's, if you didn't know, if you hadn't lived through it, you would think that you had just played us three comedy clips because it was so <laughs> absurd, so surreal. But this is what you get. Uh, it, that's what happened in 2020. The media decided that whatever they decided was reality was reality. And if they decided it wasn't, it's like, you know, if a tree falls in a forest and no one hears it fall, did it actually fall? And that was the media's decision last year. It was that whatever that was inconvenient, particularly if it was inconvenient to Joe Biden's campaign, it just didn't happen. Look the other way. Let's move right along. That's right. Another inconvenient story you bring up is Eric Swalwell. Eric Swalwell. Isn't that interesting? Uh, his um, relationship with the Chinese spy Fang Fang was a big news story uh, just a few weeks ago. And yet uh, you haven't heard that on CNN. I, I think they still haven't reported on it or MSNBC. This is a story again. It's inconvenient to the Democratic Party and the narrative uh, that they're trying to run. And the fact is that China is as John Ratcliffe and all our intelligence agencies are now admitting is our biggest national security threat. And to have this revelation that the, the a, a Democrat uh, congressman who is on the intelligence committee, who reads highly sensitive confidential briefings, is uh, compromised by a long-time relationship with the Chinese spy who was sent here specifically to infiltrate the highest levels of American government. Um, and, and that goes without much reporting at all is incredible. And the fact he's still on that committee. Yeah, that is astounding. We were just talking about this morning. He still sits on the powerful Intel committee despite having been compromised by a Chinese spy. The worst thing about all this is the fact that Americans can't identify with this kind of insanity. I mean, what American do you know that lives in a world where gross misrepresentations about anything and everything on their jobs is not only okay, it's demanded by those in leadership. They're actually in media today, in mainstream media in the United States, there is a coordinated effort to make sure all of the mainstream media outlets, print, media, and internet, are all on the same page about every issue. And nobody is stepping on anybody else. Have you noticed that often 
when we hear these stories, there are segments within each story. Maybe it's a phrase, maybe it's a term, maybe it's an entire sentence that are quoted verbatim by every one of the electronic news medias, the stories when we hear them. We've actually played examples of that happening, and it was dozens and dozens of different examples of that. Those kind of things don't just happen. I don't want to call it a conspiracy, and it's not a conspiracy theory, folks. It is a conspiracy. There actually is a group of these mainstream media. They all have a specific... Uh, I don't want, I don't know if it is uh, it's an online thing. I don't know if it's a chat room or whatever, but they all get together and have specific meetings online and they talk about stories, the biggest stories, and they coordinate the way they're going to be presented and who's going to go first. And that's an important thing. Let me tell you why it's an important thing. Have you ever noticed how when some real sinister story comes out, One of the outlets will break it, and then within 30 minutes or so, another outlet will come on and report the story, and they'll say in the second report of the story, sources confirm, yada, 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 yada. And a third one comes in, and they'll start the story by saying, multiple sources have confirmed. There are no sources the first entity or the group, when they got together, they came up with the story and the way it was going to be given to the American people. And the first sto- the first outlet is the one that actually sources the story. And the second one is saying sources confirm and that only confirmation is from the other far-left media outlet that was chosen to release it for the very first time. 30 minutes or so earlier. That's factual. That's been proven. They've been busted doing it. In fact, they got caught in it and they canceled the one, the chat room they had then. And it's by invitation only. I'm, I'm, I I know this will shock you, but I've not been invited to join in, (laughs) but they invite people that have, have access and can participate in it. And it is a conspiracy. And that's a lot of the reasoning why we hear so much of the same thing from MSNBC, ABC, CBS, NBC, The Washington Post, uh, The New York Times, The LA Times, The Chicago Tribune, the big blue newspapers and news outlets around the nation. It's coordinated. And they think Americans are so stupid that we can't pick up on that. That just because it's who they are, and because they're the big, big monsters in media, we're, we're just going to listen to everything they present to us and just know it's factual. Now, we just talked about some of the Biden faux pas and the alleged things that happened previously, but that probably, and I think almost have to, have, you got to say, they have been affecting life around him as being the big guy. That that was in the Hunter Biden laptop stuff. Data from that laptop, stories, emails, audios, videos, they all confirmed there was a lot of financial wrongdoing that was done by primarily Hunter Biden. 
but it was what we call the Biden family syndicate. All of the family members were in cahoots to all of these financial dealings. It had to do with Burisma Holdings, that big energy company in Ukraine where Hunter Biden mysteriously turned up to be on the board of directors and got paid 80000 plus a month to serve on that board of directors. Got several million dollars from the former mayor of Moscow's wife. What for? We don't have any clue. And then he got a huge amount of money from the Chinese government to invest through his investment company that he had never done in his life before. A billion plus dollars. So there's another one now, another story that popped up overnight. A guy named Steve Rochetti. Steve Rochetti is a White House counselor. His brother is Jeff Rochetti. So the news, the big scandal today, and it probably won't be a scandal if it's ever mentioned in any other place than where we got this story, and it's one of those outlets that we told you is not in the mainstream and we're able to get information from. Jeff Rochetti, he plans to lobby on behalf of a foreign company that develops something very important, a vaccine for the coronavirus. Metagen Vaccine Biologics, which is a Taiwan-based company. Taiwan now, that's in the epicenter of right on the scope of the Chinese Communist Party now. They want to invade Taiwan and take it. So this Taiwanese company, Metagen Vaccine Biologics hired Jeff Rochetti to work on issues related to COVID-19 vaccines that are accepted for foreign travelers to the U.S. Metagen developed a coronavirus vaccine, but Taiwan is currently the only country to approve its use. Metagen hopes, obviously, Rochetti will lead a successful effort to get the U.S. FDA to approve its vaccine for Taiwanese travelers that come to the U.S. Ricchetti is the sole lobbyist working on the account. According to CNBC, when they got wind of this, they reported that Ricchetti has seen a wave of new clients since the start of the new administration. You probably haven't heard of the name Jeff Ricchetti. He made national headlines last year. How so? After he lobbied the White House on behalf of Amazon and monstrous healthcare companies like GlaxoSmithKline, Horizon Therapeutics, and Vaxart Incorporated. But in light of Rochetti's connection to the Biden administration, he said he does not lobby his brother or disclose the two's relationships to his client. And there's no way that the clients would ever be able to make that kind of a reach. You know, a guy lives in Washington, D.C. He's not in the Biden administration, but that really wouldn't matter if he was. And it just so happens he's got a brother that is in the Biden administration, and his brother lives in Washington, D.C., and his last name is Rochetti. No connection there. There's nothing there to see. Jeff said, I don't lobby my brother. I'm not even mentioned to him the names of clients that I currently represent. For the better part of the last 30 years, I've lobbied members of Congress on their behalf and various individuals who served in the successive administrations. It's what I do for a living. 
Ricchetti also said he would no longer engage directly with White House officials on behalf of his clients. In other words, he's saying, I've done that all along. I've been lobbying for these foreign entities, and I lobby for White House officials, kind of like, you know, my brother Steve. Jeff and his brothers started a lobbying firm back in 1996, but they sold it. Man, a way to make good, honest capitalist dollars in the United States. Know who they sold it to? Tony Podesta. Who was he? Well, he was Hillary Clinton's campaign chairman. And Tony Podesta bought the firm after Steve became deputy chief of staff in the Clinton White House. There's no there there. Nothing to look at. Nothing going on there. Meanwhile, there's Uncle Joe. We haven't talked specifically about him yet this morning. And it's not because there's nothing to talk about. You heard him say this day before yesterday. I have, he said, the strongest first-year economic track record of any recent president. Now, buddy, if that, if that was a fact and I was a president, I would be all over America and other parts of the world selling that. Looking behind what he's saying, he's actually saying he has the strongest first-year economic track record of any president in the last 50 years. We're ending 2021 with what analysts described as the strongest first-year economic track record of any president in the last 50 years. Let's keep the progress going. On the same day, Wednesday, the Commerce Department released a pretty dismal trade deficit report. That has a little bit to do with our economic conditions, right? Well, that report showed the gap between the cost of imported goods exceeded the value of exported goods at a record high level and would likely continue for the duration of the COVID pandemic. One economist said the report showed that the U.S. economy, quote, has never been weaker. The November U.S. merchandise trade deficit, it was up to $97.8 billion, a new all-time record high. Maybe Joe's looking at that number and he's saying, well, hey, we had a bigger deficit than anybody else ever has, so we're a success. I don't know. The deficit shattered the expectations. The predictions was bad enough. It was at $86 billion. Actually, it's 17.5% higher than the previous month. This horrific data proves the U.S. economy is a complete disaster. It has never been weaker. So Joe wasn't finished. He went back to tweet again on Wednesday. And he touted himself as a hero of the working class, citing his passage of the infrastructure bill while he ignored the implosion of his Build Back Better agenda. However, CNBC noted on Wednesday the current record inflation has further widened the gap between rich and poor as lower-income households bear the brunt of the inflation causing rising prices. The COVID 
pandemic has led a new era of inflation and equality, economics, econ, economists warn. And in inflation, the poor households bear the brunt of all the rising prices. That's because a bigger portion of their budget goes toward categories that have spiked in cost, things that are absolutely necessary, like food. Food is up just this year, 6.4% over last year. Gasoline jumped a whopping 60%. And now many people are facing those higher prices as federal stimulus programs are fading away. The Penn Wharton budget model just came out shortly a few weeks ago. It found that low and middle income households spend about 7 to 10% more this year for the same products they bought in 2020 or in 2019. That translates in dollars and cents. Listen to this. About 3500 bucks for the average household. 300 bucks a month. Now, who is in that financial category? Lower middle class and lower economical households. By contrast, spending by the wealthy households went up by only 6%. What do you call that, Dan? I call that something that ain't working out. And I don't know where Joe got the idea that this economy is the best that we've had in 50 years. A guy named Chris Weimer, co-director of the Center on Poverty and Social Policy at Columbia University, he told CNBC that lower-income households are being forced now to choose between essential items such as gas and food. Can't have both. Can't afford both. They're essentially looking to stretch a dollar most days, he said. It's going to lead to difficult choices between putting gas in the car or paying for your kid's child care or putting food on the table. Now, there is a fix for that, but it's not what Joe's fix is for everything, which is, hey, the federal government, just give away money. Give away money. Joe doesn't understand that old adage. I don't even know where it originated. That thing about fishing. You know what I'm talking about. You can give somebody, cook them fish. That's one thing. They'll eat a meal. You teach them how to fish, and they'll be able to get a meal and feed their own families themselves for life. That makes a whole lot better sense than the federal government just passing out money, right? Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate. So you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's dark chocolate to the rescue. My heroes. M&M's dark chocolate candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold. With diseases like coronavirus, the flu, and hepatitis A on the rise, it's your job to wash your hands and cover your cough. Remember, wash your hands using soap and warm water before you eat or prepare food and after using the restroom. When coughing or sneezing, cover your mouth and nose with a tissue or your upper sleeve. Stop the spread of germs to keep yourself and loved ones healthy. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Here's the latest traffic report. 
Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342, 529-8342. Need more cowbell? Better yet, how about the ring of truth? TNN, the Truth News Network. And Dan Newman. There's a whole lot of stuff and a whole lot of people that are getting involved in politics today. I wonder if it has anything to do with this being midterm year. Well, it didn't yet. It will be tomorrow. 2022 midterms take place in November. That's when everybody in Congress in the House of Representatives is either going to be replaced or they're going to win re-election every two years. And so in any election year, it just seems like some of the old worn out politicians, they come back and they get some face time on mainstream media. Who is out there now that is one of the oldie goldies that's been in politics for a long time, but the last few years has kind of been out of the mainstream of politics, at least in the media? Hillary Clinton. Yep, she's out there. Nobody can understand why. Maybe she got bored after the Christmas holiday. I don't know why, but She's caught being on some television shows, talk shows. Listen to what she has now warned her party, the Democrat Party. She said the Democrat Party needs to be clear-eyed about what wins elections. She's telling us that the Democrat Party's got to wake up, be clear-eyed about what really wins elections. I thought What a screwy thing for anybody to think. But I'm one of those constitutional guys. I thought that we determined who, not political parties, but who individuals were going to be the winners of elections that we choose to go serve us in Washington, D.C. in various roles, principally the Congress. Interesting. Hillary said that this was kind of a warning that Congress's and the Democrat Party's progressive wing, which means the far left, risk handing midterm victories over to their enemies and her enemies, the Republican Party. Yesterday, she told MSNBC's Willie Geist that Democrats needed candidates who could win in purple states if it was to have a Congress that will get anything done. She talked about division in both parties, as centrists in both parties grapple with the fringes that offer ideological purity, she called it, and headline-generating Twitter accounts. So who's she targeting when she talks about the issues in her party? Well, that means the so-called squad of progressives, including the likes of Representatives Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar, Talita Rashid, Talita, uh, Talita Rashid. Anyway, I get it backwards. And then there's the new one that uh, is from Missouri, Cori Bush. Hillary said this, I think that it's time for some careful thinking about what wins elections. 
and not just in deep blue districts where a Democrat and a liberal Democrat or so-called progressive Democrat is going to win. She was making these comments in an interview, which was broadcast in part yesterday. In a discussion of the state of her party, she said this, we got to be clear-eyed about what it's going to take to hold the House and the Senate in 2022 and to win the Electoral College because also Republicans are doing everything they can to create an environment in which winning the Electoral College, even narrowly the way Joe Biden did, will be out of reach for Democrats. Oddly, though, she didn't explain that statement that she made. She did say, as she always does, she said, I understand why politicians would want to argue for their own priorities, but at the end of the day, uh, this, this is typical of a lifer in politics, a leftist in politics, somebody that has always been one of the elite, educated, professional politicians in D.C. She knows everything. She said this, but at the end of the day, nothing is going to get done if you don't have a Democrat majority in the House, in the Senate, and our majority comes from people who win in much more difficult districts, and then our majority in the Senate comes from people who can win in not just blue states and hold those wins, but can win in more purplish states. Now, when you hear things like that coming from a lifer in politics like Hillary, you wonder what she is putting out there for us to consider. Remember in context, this stuff she said came soon after the party's defeat in Virginia's gubernatorial election, and as the Democrat Party is preparing for a backlash against what this president has been doing in the midterms coming up at the end of next year. She said she's in favor of a vigorous debate about how to move forward. But at the end of the day, it means nothing. If we don't have a Congress that will get things done and we don't have a White House that we can count on to be sane and sober and stable and productive, she continued. Don't think there's a shot or two in that paragraph. A shot or two at Joe Biden, do you? A shot or two at Donald Trump, do you? So this is going to be a very intense period, not just for the Democrat Party, but for the country. Well, obviously, her saying these things, it puts her dead set opposite from the progressive wing of her own party, which at times opposed President Biden. So although his administration hails that $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill as among its biggest achievements, the likes of Ilhan Omar opposed its progress unless it was accompanied by a much bigger social spending program. Omar said this in Minnesota, her hometown, I made a promise to my constituents that I wasn't going to vote for the infrastructure bill alone unless the two bills, and she's talking about the Build Back Better bill and the infrastructure bill, were being passed together and were going to get signed together. She accused her party, the leadership in the Democrat Party, of being too timid. Democrats sometimes tend to be afraid of their own shadow and their own power, she said. So it's a little bit frustrating. 
the high profile of the squad, they make themselves a perfect and an easy target for Republicans, especially in election time. In an end-of-the-year statement, former President Trump said they're running the administration. And I think most Americans agree with Mr. Trump. I really do. Biden has systematically dismantled the foundations of American energy independence just to satisfy AOC, Ilhan Omar, and the other extremists calling the shots in the Democrat Party, Trump said. But the tensions are echoed in the Republican Party. The likes of Representative Adam Kinzinger, hated by much of Trump world for joining the January 6th House investigation, they've accused senior party figures in the Republican Party of pandering to an extremist wing of the party at the expense of more mainstream voices. I guess that's what they want to call Adam Kinzinger, and he is literally a rhino, Republican in name only. These aren't the ones that, you know, tweet all the time, he told MSNBC's Morning Joe program earlier this month. They're not the ones that are going to talk about Jewish space lasers and make, you know, crazy racist jokes just so they can get more Twitter followers because they don't take governance seriously. These are actually members of Congress that take governance seriously. So what do I come away with? First of all, Hillary Clinton, she's out there again. She's trying to make herself relative. And relevance on her part, at least in American politics, it went away a long time ago, even before the 2016 bid she made to be our president. But it illustrates this. You know, we're in a midterm year, technically not till 12.01 tomorrow morning. But we're in a midterm election year. And in every midterm election year that I remember that comes up at this point, both parties, they have all their stuff and their attack plans and their resources and their messaging. It's all done way before the January 1st holiday, Christmas, New Year's holiday ever happens. This Democrat party, it is in the worst disarray of any party that I've seen in my lifetime at this point in an election cycle. And don't think for a second that's good news like we're hearing for the Republicans, folks. You got to remember, there were roughly 150 million people, 70-something million of them that voted in 2020 that thought Donald Trump was going to be the president now. They had no plans for the other side. They didn't even think about the other side. And of course, when Biden wins for months, it just seemed like the, uh, the core of Republicans in their party, they just ran around screaming to high heaven, complaining, griping, crying because they didn't get their guy. And therefore a Democrat got elected and a Democrat is doing what Democrats do. Seize power, seize tax dollars from Americans and spend it and spend far more than we have to spend. It's going to be interesting over, let me tell you this, by the end of the first quarter of the upcoming year, which is January, February, March, March 31st, by that time, we will have a pretty sure picture 
of everybody that's going to run for the House of Representatives and the Senate for those that have re-election bids coming up in 2022 in November. It's going to be interesting to see how, first of all, this administration deals with that because, you know, everybody in the administration is involved in some kind of re-election bid, even though the president isn't up for re-election. The power that this president and every president has comes with the makeup of the United States Congress. You would think right now with control of the White House, control of the Senate, control of the House, that the Democrats could get anything done that they want to get done, but yet they're fighting tooth and nail, not only with Republicans, but also with people in their own party and internal civil wars underway. And if they don't get it straightened out and get some type of unity, I think they're going to be in big trouble next November anyway. Even if they righted the ship, the Democrats' ship, right now, I think they're going to be in in jeopardy of losing both the House and the Senate. But if it continues to slide, if inflation continues to rise, if people continue to not go back to work, which will destroy our economy long-term, we can't sustain it for very much longer. All these companies, especially the, the bulk of the financial basis of the nation, these small, small companies, I'm talking about mom and pops and companies up to 100 employees. If they can't get workers, they can't turn out their services and their products to the American people, it's going to stall our economy. Meanwhile, the inflation goes through the roof because of all of the trillions of dollars of government spending being spent not on things to make the economy grow and people get more jobs and bigger and better jobs and benefits are increased. It's just being spent so people can look at the government and say thank you, and the government expects them to be totally obligated to the government just because they got something, something for nothing. You and I both know you never get anything for nothing. Quid pro quo is the makeup of not just this Congress, but every U.S. Congress. In fact, in every political race of any kind. If there's a campaign, you can book it. Somebody's looking for something. If I make a campaign contribution to your run for whatever you're going to run for, if and when I need to talk to you about something specific for me or my company or both, you may make darn sure when I pick up the phone and call you that you're going to talk to me and that you're going to be leaning my way just because we're buddies and because I made a major contribution to your campaign. Quid pro quo. It grows instead of getting rid of it. It gets more and more prevalent, more and more powerful every year and every election year for certain. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, George Walker Bush, do solemnly swear. I, George Walker Bush, do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. That I will faithfully execute the office of President Sorry. of the United States. Let me just get this. Hello. Hey. I was just thinking about you. Yes, I was. Uh-huh. Yes, I was. No, you were. That I will faithfully execute the office of President. <laughs> so, uh, 
What are you wearing? A president uh, of the United uh, States. <laughs> oh. Say, can I call you back? So help me God. No, so you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you. You hang up. So help me God. You hang Congratulations. up. It's President's Day, and everybody's getting in on the special offer from Verizon Wireless. For just $25 per month, get 1,500 anytime minutes, plus free long distance. Verizon Wireless. Join in. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. What are you doing? Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, here's Bud Light. In a chainsaw. Sort of requirement, not even for polio or measles. In this country... I have no idea what just happened. No idea. Hmm. Let me, let me figure this out. Let me look and see where we, uh, we lost out. Again, I have no idea. I am so sorry. Got a glitch. Anytime you deal with electronics and somebody is trying to carry on a show and push the buttons at the same time, <laughs> stuff like this happens. And I happen to be that guy, and I'm sorry that that messed up. That's actually a great song that was being played. And I'm, I'm going to go back. I want, you to, I want you to listen to this. This is one of those songs back from the, what, the, the late 70s, maybe early 80s, Earth, Wind, and Fire song, Serpentine Fire. Yeah, you remember it. Compliance. The school board has had no choice but to delay the mandate until the fall of 2022. They at least came to their. Okay, I give up. <laughs> Let's get back to business. I don't know about that. There's something spooky going on here in the studio. Anyway, it's Friday and it's the last day of the year, so I guess our equipment can just decide hey, I'm going to do what I want to do. And you just heard it do what it wanted it to do. This, uh, we haven't talked much about 
the vaccine mandates, any of the chaos going along, other with the, than the fact about we're getting the Omicron variants that have been replacing all of the concentration on the Delta variant cases, which, by the way, Delta variant is still out there. It's rampant. Not in number, the many of cases and infections reported as from the Omicron, but the Delta case is much worse. There are people that are really sick. Hospitalizations are up with Delta cases, and people are dying. We talked about that, and we explained there's just a whole lot of things going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. But in the middle of all of this, a bunch of lawsuits have been filed against the Biden administration about these egregious vaccine mandates for workers as well as for healthcare workers specifically. Yesterday, the Biden administration reached out to the U.S. Supreme Court and they filed a brief asking the court to leave intact a workplace vaccine or test mandate as public health officials contend with this surging pandemic we can't seem to shake. That brief filed by the Department of Justice with the Supreme Court comes in response to one legal challenge brought by interest groups and employers across the country who are alleging the health measure is unlawful and that the federal government doesn't have power, constitutional power, to do this. The central question in this one case is whether Congress gave the executive branch any broad authority allowing the executive branch to impose such a sweeping workplace regulation, which applies to businesses with 100 or more workers. DOJ lawyers, in their brief, they argued that the 1970 law that established OSHA, that's the entity, the administration, that oversees everything, all the regulations and stuff in workplaces, employment, DOJ lawyers argued that that law makes plain that the policy falls squarely within OSHA's statutory authority. The workplace mandate is scheduled to take effect next month and could impact an estimated 84 million employees. It requires larger businesses to adopt written policies that require workers be vaccinated against COVID or wear masks and undergo regular testing. OSHA estimates the policy will save the lives of more than 6,500 workers and prevent some a quarter of a million hospitalizations over the course of six months. That's in the court filing. We don't know, and OSHA doesn't know and doesn't have any idea. They probably just pull those numbers out of the air. So far, more than 820,000 people have died in the U.S., as a result of the global pandemic. And keep in mind that 820,000 number is not an official number. It does not include people that their cause of death explicitly expressed on their death certificate said they died because of COVID. The way the CDC analyzes this is they urge all of these medical examiners when they make these official causes of death If a patient was tested for and had COVID-19, no matter if that was what they died from or if it was just something they had at their time of death, to consider that to be a death at the hands of COVID-19. It's not not truthful, 
but that's the way they report it. In fact, there are a lot of people that are real experts that say that number is more likely to be 10% of these reported 820,000 death numbers. Challengers to the mandate, the vaccine mandate, have asked the Supreme Court to block the policy while the case proceeds through the lower courts or take up a formal appeal of one federal appeals court ruling that preliminarily sustained the mandate. Supreme Court's going to hear the arguments in the case. That's the National Federation of Independent Business versus OSHA the first week of next month. On that same day, the justices will also hear arguments over the Biden administration's vaccine mandate for workers at hospitals that receive federal funding. These are two really big cases, and it's everybody's going to be watching. We're going to be watching it here. When is, what day is the 7th? Let me look real quick. Let me pop up my calendar. The 7th is next Friday, a week from today. The Supreme Court is going to take up both of those. Of course, we probably won't have any answers by the time this show is over. That means that on next Saturday, the 8th, when we do our bullet point stuff, we'll have a bunch of information in our bullet points, our Saturday bullet points about the Supreme Court stuff. Although we will not have any final decisions released by the Supreme Court by next Saturday. In fact, we probably won't have those until late in the spring because they're going to do a lot of stuff after they hear these oral arguments to come up with the answers that are necessary for them to make a ruling. Have you heard the name Miguel Cardona? Miguel Cardona. He's our education secretary, national education secretary. Well, he's in the news. Yesterday on CNN, Mr. Cardona stated that hybrid schooling That's those that are a combination of some virtual teaching, some in-person teaching, but they're calling it hybrid schooling, is probably the most disruptive model, and the default model should be full-time, five days a week, in-person. But he said there may be some times where due to an increase in COVID cases, in spread, and even in inadequate staffing that short-term closures might be necessary. He said it's critical that we do what we can to make sure our schools stay open full-time five days a week. I recognize there are going to be some bumps along the way, but the goal for all of us, I know educators across the country know, we don't want to go back to how it was, fully remote. We don't want to go back to hybrid. Our students learn best and our schools thrive when students are in person. He added that with precautions, our default should be to have our students come back in. We recognize that there, as I said earlier, are going to be challenges with that, and in some places a short-term closure may be necessary in order to safely return students back to school and have adequate staffing. But we really need to learn how to thrive during this pandemic. We opened schools when Delta was rampant. We have the tools. We have the resources. States and districts have access to resources. But then he kind of segued to a second perspective. On the same show, he stated that school districts that don't require masks in schools should rethink those policies 
And parents have had enough of school closures due to poor policies. He said, unfortunately, we have seen where districts are not requiring that. Cases go up. We're seeing hospitalizations go up in those places. So I think this increase in Omicron and higher cases, I hope those districts really take a look at their policies. I think parents have had enough of school closures due to poor policies. So let's protect our students. Let's protect our staff. Keep our communities thriving. It's unfortunate, he said, that the numbers are going up, but we know how to continue during the pandemic. We shouldn't have shutdowns. We shouldn't have our schools closed for a long period of time. If we know what works, we should employ it. We have the resources there. We need to come together for our students. They deserve that. I think what you heard in both of those segments, I think what you heard is playing both ends of the table at the same time trying to appease the power brokers in the formal education system of the U.S., public education. Who would that be? Of course, it's the teachers' unions. The teachers have no say-so. They do what they're told to do. Follow the money. And so what you heard the secretary do, he's got to come out and make it very clear that everybody in education wants our students in the classroom, but they want us safe. They want our kids safe. And that's what we're going to do here is we're going to enact policies, new ones, amend old ones, whatever we figure and find out at the time is the best for our students. He never once alluded to any of the pushback that the Department of Education got last year during the lockdowns and the big, big, strong pushes by pretty much everybody but the teachers' unions in the nation to get our kids back in school for a host of reasons. We won't go into those reasons. You watch what's going to happen on his watch, Cardona's watch. He'll cave. After all, they give millions of dollars to Democrat Party causes and to Democrat candidates during election season. And when that phone rings in Mr. Cardona's office and he's reminded of that, he'll soften his stance on some of this if the teachers' unions tell him he needs to. I promise you. And we're going to wrap it up with this. This one's really, really odd. And this is another one we got from overseas. Selecting a jury for trials in California will become infinitely more complex, and some would argue woke under a new rule set to take effect tomorrow. The rule change is aimed at making it harder for attorneys to strike prospective jurors from the jury pool out of concern that too many are acting based on their bias. Under the old rules, each side gets a number of preemptory strikes which means they can reject a juror without giving any reason and justifying it. But a 1986 U.S. Supreme Court decision in Batson versus Kentucky barred the use of those strikes to remove jurors on account of their race. But listen to this. The California rule, which is just the latest in a widening jury selection reform trend, embraced mostly by the left, by the way, also extends to conscious or unconscious bias against a number of other 
protected classes of persons. The rule would allow the opposing attorneys to challenge any preemptory strike, attributing bias to many reasons an attorney could give to justify striking a juror. A preemptory challenge for any of the following reasons is presumed to be invalid unless the party exercising the challenge can show by clear and convincing evidence that an objectively reasonable person would view the rationale as not being related to a prospective juror's race, ethnicity, gender, identity, sexual orientation, national origin, or religious affiliation, or perceived membership in any of these groups. And the reasons articulated bear on the prospective juror's ability to be fair and impartial in the case. I can see it happening now. Here's what's going to happen. When they're picking juries, they're going to put every juror, prospective juror, put them on trial (laughs) and make them. Now, we heard, Mr. Jones, that you're a hardcore Christian. Now, we've got to find out if you are. And then they start asking the questions. And of course, in some cases, what that means is they don't want a Christian serving on the court. Can you imagine how this is in California going to make it totally chaotic in a lot of these cases? Well, folks, that's a wrap on Friday. It's a wrap on the week. Well, not really. We're going to have our Saturday bullet points tomorrow. But listen, a new year, a new start. You need to make your plans if you haven't already. And you got to get ready, folks. Get ready. 